0: good morning everyone and Merry Christmas I'm so glad that Christmas Day fell on a Sunday this year why you say because there's nothing that a preacher wants to do more than preach on Christmas and uh, so when Rob said to me maybe four months ago he says I'll do Christmas Eve would you want to do Christmas morning and I go yeah so thanks be to God we are here we welcome all of you today to this glorious glorious time I want to uh, approach the sermon a little bit differently this morning I'm going to combine a story with proclamation and I hope that that brings deep meaning to it for you we're going to be talking about an event but not an event we're going to be talking about an epoch an epoch EP O-C-H. Now, what is that? An epoch is a period of time in history that is marked by notable events. A period of time, not a point in time, a period of time that is marked by notable events. found myself thinking early this morning, what have been some of the notable epochs of just this last year? Well, certainly a major election that shapes our civilization. Certainly uh, <laughs> the Cubs winning. That's, that's been since 1908, relatively long epoch. But thanks be to God, it ended the way that it did. Uh, I think of, uh, with near tears in my eyes, the epoch that I hope is concluding in Aleppo, Syria, as those precious women and children were allowed to leave under a ceasefire after hundreds of thousands being destroyed. Aleppo now looks like Hiroshima at the end of World War II. Uh, Epochs can be great things. Epochs can be awful things. But the epoch we talk about today is the most important epoch ever in civilization We are talking about a 33-year period of time that occurred historically that is the most important epoch of history. For it is in that 33 years of time that God chose his way to rescue humanity and to rescue the world. We know it as beginning with the birth of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to open this epoch to us. You say, Lon, what's your big idea? Wait and see. Here we go. Now, on uh, the screen, we're going to place the first text for the morning. And this comes from the book of 1 Peter. Let me read it to you. Concerning this salvation, you might also insert the term rescue there. Concerning this rescue, this epoch of rescue. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. That's an amazing text. It begins with Peter saying concerning the rescue, concerning this epoch. And then he goes into the extraordinary long period of time trying to discern what it would be. The the prophets it speaks of. For over 4,000 years we're speaking into this. The first prophecy we have of the Messiah we think is over 4,000 years B.C., Then at the year 1,000, at the year 700, at the year 500, 300 different prophecies where highly intelligent, spirit-filled humans were delving in to what God was speaking into them about something that was going to happen at some period of time. They couldn't get to the bottom of it. And God was kind. God said, you're not intended to get to the bottom of it. You're not intended to. You just declare it and watch me unwind it for the world. I note that at the end of the passage, it also has this notion. Did you see it when I read it to you? Even angels long to look into this. So God kept it somewhat secret, if you will, just diffusing and leaking out Little elements of this epoch over thousands of years, even the angels, didn't know the whole story. Now with that, we're going to put a slide on the screen which represents the universe as I shift over to uh, the world. It kind of looks like the beginning of, uh, you know, that movie with Jimmy Stewart? Uh, What's it called? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like Clarence the angel talking to God in heaven there. Well, I've got a story for you. That whole notion of even angels longed to understand this has been, uh, uh, if you will, contemporized for us by one of the great pastoral scholars of the mid-20th century, a British scholar-pastor by the name of J.B. Phillips. And J.B. Phillips tries to interpret what the angels were seeing and wondering about. And so may I read to you now the visited planet. Once upon a time, a young angel was being shown around the splendors and the glories of the universe by a senior and experienced angel. To tell the truth, the little angel was beginning to be tired and a little bored. He'd been shown whirling galaxies and blazing suns, infinite distances in the deathly cold of interstellar space and to his mind there seemed just to be an awful lot of it all. Finally he was shown the galaxy of which our planetary system is but a small part and as the two of them drew near to the star which we call our Sun and to its circling planets the senior angel pointed to a rather small An insignificant little sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball. But the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size and the glory of what he'd seen, was wondering what this was about. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well looks very small and rather dirty to me said the little angel what's special about that one that replied the senior angel is the visited planet visited said the little one visited you don't. you don't mean visited by visited by indeed I do That ball has been visited by our young prince of glory. And at these words, they both bowed their heads reverently. But how, queried the young angel, do you mean that our great and glorious prince, with all these wonders and splendors of the creation and millions more that I'm sure I haven't seen yet, went down in person to to, to that fifth-rate little planet? Why would he do a thing like that? It is not for us, said the senior angel rather seriously, to question his wise, except that I must point out to you that he's not as impressed by size and numbers as you seem to be. As to why he became one of them, how else do you suppose that he could visit them? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. You mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of those those creeping, crawling human creatures on that floating, dirty ball? I do, and I do not think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling human creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, He loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel just looked blank. Such a thought was beyond his comprehension. Close your eyes for a moment, said the senior angel, and we will go back to what they call time. And while the little angel's eyes were closed, the two of them moved nearer to the spinning ball. It stopped its spinning. And then it started spinning backwards quite fast for a while, and then it slowly resumed its normal rotation. Now, look, said the senior angel. And as they did so, appearing here and there on the dull surface of the little planet were flashes of light, momentary, persisting for quite a time. Well, what am I seeing now? said the little angel. You are watching this world as it was thousands of years ago, returned his companion. Every flash and glow of the light that you see is something of the Father's knowledge and wisdom, and it is breaking into the minds and hearts of people who live on the earth. Not many people can see it. Not many people have heard his voice or understand what he says, even though he is speaking gently and quietly to them all the time well why are they so blind and deaf and stupid then said the little angel rather crossly it is not for us to judge them we who live in the splendor have no idea what it is like to live in the dark we hear the music we hear the voice like the sound of many waters every day of our lives but to them to them, well, there's so much darkness, there's so much noise, there's so much distraction upon the earth. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise can really hear the voice. But watch, for in a moment you will see something truly wonderful. The earth went on turning and circling round the sun. And then quite suddenly, in the upper half of the globe, there appeared a light It was tiny, but it was so bright in its intensity that both the angels hid their eyes. I think I can guess, said the little angel in a low voice. That was the visit, wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light himself went down there, lived among them. But in a moment, you will be able to tell that even with your eyes closed, the light will go out. But why? Why would the light go out? Could they not bear his darkness, the darkness and stupidity of them all? D- did, he, did, he, did he return here? Did he have to return here? No, that wasn't it. They failed to recognize him for who he was, or at least only a handful did. For the most part, they preferred their darkness to his light. And at the end, they killed him. The fools, the crazy, crazy fools. Why they they don't deserve, I don't, neither you nor I nor any other angel knows why humankind was so foolish and so wicked. Nor can we say what they deserve or don't deserve, but the fact remains they killed our prince of glory while he was man amongst them. And I suppose that was the end. Uh, I, I suppose the whole earth then went black and dark. All right, I, I, I won't judge them, but surely this was all they could expect. Wait. We're still far from the end of the story of the visited planet. Watch now, but be ready to cover your eyes again. And then in utter blackness, the earth turned round three times. And then it blazed with unbearable radiance and a point of light. What now? asked the little angel. And he had to shield his eyes. They killed him all right, but he conquered death. The thing most of them dread and fear all their lives, he broke and he conquered. And he rose again, and a few of them saw him. And from then on, they became his utterly devoted servants. Thank God for that, said the little angel. Amen. Open your eyes now. The dazzling light has gone. The prince has returned to our home Of light. But watch that earth now. And as the two angels looked, in place of the dazzling pinpoint of light, there was a bright glow which throbbed and pulsated. And then, as the earth turned many times, little points of light began spreading out. A few flickered and died. But for the most part, the lights burned steadily as they continued to watch. In many parts of the globe, there was a glow over whole areas of the earth. "'You see what's happening?' said the senior angel. "'The bright glow is the company of loyal men and women he has left behind. And with his help, they spread the glow, and now lights begin to shine over the whole earth.'" Yes, yes, said the little angel impatiently. But how does it end? How does it end? Will the little lights join up with each other? Will it it all become light, just like it is here for us in heaven? We simply don't know, said the senior angel. There's things we don't know. It's in the Father's hands. Sometimes it is sheer agony to watch Sometimes it's joy unspeakable. The end is not yet, but now I am sure why you can see this little ball is so important. He has visited it. He is working out his plan on it. Yes, I see, said the little angel, but I still don't understand it all. But I will never forget. That is the visited planet. Amen. Do you like that? Yes. I will often read that story to my family at Christmas, and my staff is, uh, uh, hears it every year at Christmas time. And, and that whole notion of the epoch. Of the coming of the Christ is so great that even the angels couldn't comprehend it all it's just astounding to me that's the perspective from heaven now let me move in and now let's look at it from the perspective of earth and for that I turn to Matthew chapter 2 reading verses 1 through 12 the perspective of of the epoch of the birth and coming of Christ from the earth. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked him, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star. When it rose, we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard him, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary They bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now we're down on the ground. Now we are in the era of the coming of the Christ. Now we start to see things happening on the earth. Look at verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born, contrary to some of our stories at Christmas, the wise men did not arrive immediately at the time of the birth. I'll tell you why about that in a little bit. But think of this as an epoch of time. We actually think Jesus may have been as old as two years old by the time that the Magi's actually arrived. No one knows for sure. We know it's during the time of King Herod. Herod reigned from approximately 44 B.C. down to either 4 B.C. or 1 B.C. There are two theories of when the great king Herod died. One is at 4 B.C., one is at 1 B.C. doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter. What occurs during it is what truly matters. Verse number 2, or the end of 1. Here's what happens. Magi come from the east from to Jerusalem... And they say, and and note this, everyone, in verse 2. Where is the one who was born the king of the Jews? We have seen his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, I'm going to put a slide on the screen of the wise men so you can get your perspective there. There it is. There you see the star on the sky. We do not know whether there were three or a 103 magi. The reason we get to three is because of three types of gifts that will be given. Could have been hundreds that came. Who were these magi? This is one of the great mysteries. A historian of this time by the name of Herodotus says that the magi were from the distant east. And they were scholars in medicine, in philosophy, and in the natural sciences. These are not magicians. These are deep Uh, scholars if you will and something in them looking at the stars is equating the birth of a king in this place called Israel now were they from as far away as Persia they may have been you say how did they come apart about and why did they start studying Jewish religion we're not sure but one hunch is that when Daniel and the aristocracy of Israel were deported to Babylon and then Daniel later to Persia, that they were men of intense intelligence and understanding of the one God. They, too, understood the natural sciences. They, too, were versed in philosophy, but they were also steeped in the God of Israel. And it may be that a school of prophets, which will become magi over the years, 500 years later, carry some of the Jewish prophecies in their knowledge banks, as well as their understanding of astronomy. It's, it's all quite interesting and exciting, and I spent a lot of time studying it this week, and I can only give you about this much. Oh, no. But we'll keep going. Now, here's one of the prophecies that the Magi may have been familiar with. It comes from Daniel chapter 7. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days. He was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all the nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Were the Magi familiar with that? Was that a part of their study? Look at this next text. It comes from even deeper in history. Whereas that one from Daniel, circa 500 B.C., this one goes back to 12, 1300 B.C. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. And then look at this, everybody. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And a ruler will come out of Jacob, 12-1300 B.C., the prophet Balaam. It, it seems that the magi, schooled not only in the sciences, in the arts, but also in religions, and especially Jewish religion, were connecting things. And at some point, now their understanding of the heavens begins to feed into it. Because they said right in our passage, we saw his star and we know that means the birth of the king of the Jews. It's it's the blending together of theology along with natural sciences. What was that star? When did it rise? All sorts of speculation about this. It might have been a nova. The explosion of a star in the distant heavens at this exact time. When a star explodes, it's the light it gives off, as I understand it, is 1,000 to 1,000,000 times brighter than the star standing before it explodes. Could be that. Could have been a comet, ice and rock with a tail. It could be, Planets at just a particular time. And we know that in the year 7 to 6 B.C., and and, and get into this, if Jesus was born before the death of Herod, and Herod died in 4 B.C., then Jesus had to be born when? 5, 6 B.C. Stay with me. The wise men coming from the Far East would have seen a sign in the skies earlier than that. And they started following it. We know that in 7 to 6 BC, there's what's called a conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. That's because the planets move, don't they? All right. And a conjunction is when to the human eye, they line up even though they're all on orbs moving around, aren't they? But at that time, there was a conjunction of those three planets that would have given off with the sun's light an amazing sense of starlikeness. Could be. That's if Herod died in 4 BC. If he died in 1 BC, like many think now, new research and things that have been uncovered, if he died in 1 BC, then it's a similar thing that could have taken place in the heavens. Jupiter is known as the Royal Star. And in the year 2 to 3 BC, Jupiter, in its movement, lined up with a star in a distant galaxy called Leo, the constellation Leo, Lion, Lion of Judah. The king star of Leo is Regulus, which means king. And there was a lining up as Jupiter moved back and forth of Regulus. And in those years, from about 3 B.C. down to 1 B.C., there were several conjunctions of those together, which would have given off amazing light. Here's what really blows your mind. And I don't understand even how astronomers know this, but they do. We know, get ready, on December 25th, the year 2 BC, Jupiter was at its far point in its circle, and, and, and it would look like it stopped, wouldn't it? Because now it starts to come back. Right at that point is December 25th, the year 2 BC. Is that the time that the Magi were moving from Jerusalem? to Bethlehem, when it looked to the whole world that could see the stars, as if that big, bright one, conjunction of Jupiter and Regulus, stopped. We don't know. We don't know. We do know this. God is the God of heaven and earth. And we do know this. We don't believe in astrology. We don't believe that the movement of the planets or the stars determine human or world behavior. We do believe that the God who created everything and glorifies himself through everything is quite smart enough to even have the heavens declare the glory of God. Look with me at Psalm 19, 1 and 2. Heaven declares the glory of God. The star- skies proclaim the work of his hands. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Yes, the God whose dominion is over all things may have before time orchestrated that the Son of God would be born in an epoch attested to by prophets, by scholars, and the created order itself. After all, even Jesus said, if the people stop cheering, the rocks and stones themselves will start to sing. I find it all stunning. So now one more slide of a star. There it is. I found myself thinking about that little ditty of a hymn, kind of a child's hymn. Said the night win to the little lamb Do you see what I see? See see. A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. We just don't know. But it causes me to praise The saddest part of that whole thing, though, the saddest part of that whole thing is Herod. I mean, we've got angels seeking to understand. We've got stars proclaiming the glory of God. We've got scholars coming from the Far East linking theology and the natural sciences. All of this coming in on this period of time, but one person was not happy at all. And that's Herod. Herod the king. Herod the king over this whole region of the Middle East. And he portends to be interested. But he is one that held on to his kingship rather stridently. He had already killed his mother-in-law because he thought she was a traitor to him. He killed one of his wives because he thought she was a traitor to him. He killed three of his sons. He would hold power. He would hold on to his control. He would hold on to his personal rule over his life and all that he could muster at all costs. With all that God was doing, many humans would still say either, so what, or I don't care. Herod was in charge of his life. As I move to closure here, sorry to end on that point, but I, I need to ask this question because as, as one uh, commentator I was reading and listening to this week said, you know, we're all just a little bit Herod, aren't we? Ooh, when I heard that, I go, ouch, ouch, ouch. Oh, I I don't mean that you're like Herod, that you would destroy the babies of Bethlehem. I don't, I don't mean you're a, a, a king who has authority over the destruction of hundreds of thousands of people in Syria. I don't mean anything like that. But when it comes to my way, my control, my power, my self-rule, we're all just a little bit Herod. And that is incredibly dangerous. Think about that. Where do you hold back from God? Or have you held back completely, saying, I I really don't care who God is. I refuse to let him be the Lord of my life. I refuse relationship with him if he's going to be in charge. I'd rather be like the Magi. The Magi, the first thing we hear about them is they come to worship and follow him. And they kneel down with their gifts. The great intelligentsia, who are led by a star and prophecies, come together and they know they're not in charge. I'd rather that I have conjunction with God than separation like Herod. The God who came, who lived, and then died for us, shed his blood, that we might be rescued from our self-rule. I was thinking this morning as I looked at our Christmas tree. I was sitting in front of the fire, finishing my reading and prayers, and and I uh, I looked up and I saw that star on the top of our tree. And you know what? I just had this inkling of a thought. I thought that should be a cross. The star spoke of his coming, but the real miracle is the cross, where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and he gave him for you and for me. It's the love of God, expressed in the blood of God, that saves the world. Finally, I want to say this back to thinking about the star. A star of star dancing in the night. Just as Brian said earlier, the church is now the star. You're the star. You're that which guides people to Savior. And I praise God for his church, the great star all over the world. Finally, friends, I would say this. I find it so interesting that the very last spoken words of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, are these. Jesus says in Revelation twenty-two sixteen, 16, I am the bright morning star. And then just a few words after that, And I am coming soon. Pray with me. Father, unto you, I gladly give each word and each hope that you would be the star that guides to the cross for everyone here. And Lord, give us hope. The wonderment of angels. The glory of the skies. The reality of the prophecies. All came to that epoch of time. Now Lord. As you have come. As you have died. As you have risen. And as you are here now. Join every human being in this room. With yourself. O Lord. And don't let them be Herod. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who sits on the chair of the universe. Amen and amen.